Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! <laughs> Welcome to the Mad Max Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we break down Mad Max one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 73, which begins with May locking the acolytes in her shed, and it ends with the van breaking down on the road. So It's not a very good ending. No. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Yeah. It only gets worse from here, but it's pretty bad. I mean, as good as the last two minutes were, it's going to start going downhill. Yep. The end of this week is going to be pretty dark. Yes, it is. For sure. So we start off this minute where May has successfully herded all of the biker gang members into her shed. And she kind of closes the door on them. And she's got this little slide lock. And she just kind of closes the slide lock and thinks, all right, job done. (laughs) Yeah. And I I feel like that's a little presumptuous. (laughs) I feel like she has a lot of faith in her doors. Yeah. Like, she thinks, oh, well, I put them in the shed. Surely they're going to stay there. You know, why would they... Well, they obeyed her getting into the shed so willingly. So why would they put up a fuss now? So we're being a little hyperbolous here because I don't think that May actually believes that they're just going to sit in there twiddling their thumbs. But at the same time, she steps away and they immediately start, like, pushing on the door. Like, testing its strength and kind of knocking it. And as we pull out to the next shot, we can see that Jesse has pulled the van up and May is kind of crossing the yard. And I realize at this moment that it's a tad unfortunate that it is an Australian car because that means May has to walk all the way around to the other side to get in the passenger side. Mm -hmm. We also get a really good look at the pace she's able to keep up. Yeah. Which is not very fast. Yeah, she is hampered quite a bit. By those leg braces that she's got on. Yes. Like, she is not able to move quickly near as well. A detail that should have cost her her life right here. Mm. Because, first of all, they use, they so use movie magic to get her in the car. Yeah. We see her take a couple steps at a relatively slow pace. We cut back to the door. We cut back to the car. And she's already made it in the passenger side. It's closing the door. Yeah. I call bull on that. Yeah. You know, seeing her move in those leg braces kind of reminded me of Forrest Gump. The beginning of the movie where he's wearing leg braces and he can't walk or right. run very fast. Run. And then the neighborhood kids start throwing rocks at him. And so Jenny tells him to run. Um, ah, It's a really iconic line. I think he's like, I think she's like, walk quickly, Forrest, or... You should move your feet fast or something like that. I, I don't remember yeah, the exact line. I don't know. Um, it's not important. But as he begins running down the street, the leg braces kind of fall away. I don't think May is in the situation where she could start doing that. But nobody told her to. So exactly. how does she know? But it's like she's hustling as fast as she can go yes. while wearing these leg braces. On repeated viewings, I was able to definitely notice how fast May was going. But the thing that stood out to me, here on top of the car, right front and center, is another tire. (gasps) So, okay, we know the car has four tires. It was able to drive. Mm -hmm. We know they pulled the tire off the roof rack to get it fixed at the Grease Monkeys shop. Yes, we do. Now we've got another tire? 
okay. it's either a movie flub or Max really did not need to stop to get a tire fixed because apparently they had six. <laughs> well, I posit that they stopped for a fresh spare tire because we've already hypothesized that they are on their way to somewhere else. Right. Because this area doesn't seem to be good surfing area and they have a surfboard. Yep. Right. So, surfboard. <laughs> and Max is fixing the car and says so in such a way that makes it sound like they want to move on, but they can't until the car is fixed. Yeah. Um, so it would also make sense that once Max felt like they were safely away, they stopped and purchased a fresh spare tire. Ah, to replace the one that they left behind. Yes. So the idea is that they always had five tires. Yes. I think they always had five tires. Probably in that day between when they turned the hand over to... Ziggy. Thank you, Ziggy. And when they arrived at May's house, they probably stopped somewhere and bought the tire. That makes a lot of Maybe sense. Maybe in the same stop. I would be really frustrated if they had on this journey six tires and and Max had the need, just the compulsion to, to stop and get one of the two spares they had repaired. Like, it just seems so absurd. Well... If Max knew that they were heading into an area that had rough road and their chances of needing spare tires was going to increase, then he might take the opportunity presented to him yeah. to get the one repaired. Because you never know when you're not going to find a shop and you really, really need one. Yeah. It could be a Top Gear situation where they're just driving along a road that delivers constant blowouts and they don't yes. have a support team behind them. Absolutely. Following with a truck full and of tires. And even Top Gear go through all their tires sometimes. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm a little less upset. Although, about the fact honestly, that there's another I think tire it's a there. flub. Yeah. <laughs> just blame it on the production I can, team. Right. I, I can justify it, but I think it's an error. Yeah. Yeah. Polishing a little bit of a turd there. Yes. So, speaking of turds, <laughs> we cut from the wide shot of May walking across the yard to the car, and then we cut back to the door, and the gang members have only been pounding on this door a little bit, and already the mortar is starting to come out I don't know. between the bricks You say already, and I say what's taking them so long. That's I, a good point. I mean, there's a lot of weight behind those doors. We also don't know how big the shed is. Like, that could right. be a pretty small they, room, right. so they, they might could not be have quite enough room to together. get a good swing in yeah. type of thing. I think it should have taken, like, max to, not not max, mad max, max as in maximum. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> it should have taken two like body shoves yeah. up against the door to uh to pop it open. So I think it took them too long. Given the fact that they seem to break out so quickly, like it's not uh, no slowly. <laughs> we disagree on this point. Well, they get out the door <laughs> twenty eight seconds after the door is closed. Okay. In movie in time. In movie time. And yeah, there's a little bit of a jump because May warps around the car right. and whatnot. Which I think is at least 20 seconds yeah. of time jump there. So I don't want to be the kind of person that is always criticizing the decisions that characters in movies make, but I am what I am. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why they drove away so quickly. Because, and like I said, armchair general here, all they had to do is... Send Jesse with Sprague back into the house where they're safe. May's already shepherded them once. Like, they know she has a loaded gun. She could stand there 
and keep an eye on the door while Jesse goes and, you know, calls up to police and say, hey, you know how we asked for the dark one to come? Hey, maybe send everybody because now we've got seven bikers holed up in a shed and only one shotgun to keep an eye on them. So they do that and then like 30 seconds later, Max is running across the field. So he's no more than a couple minutes out. So he could come and relieve May because he's got that magic shotgun that has like unlimited ammo. Right. And May so, doesn't have a magic shotgun. So then Max could keep everybody contained because if they start pushing on the door, all they have to say is, hey, cut that out or I'm going to open the door and shoot you all. Yeah. You know, they've got the ability to keep an eye on things. And... Like I said, it's really easy to say all this after the fact, but at the same time, the fact that they are so willing to split up is really bothersome. Yes, I think it was it was a huge mistake to split up. First in the field, when they split up there, that was a mistake. And I think, again, it was a mistake here. It makes me sad that Jesse leaves without Max. Mm-hmm. Like, we've learned so much about them. And how much they love each other and the type of relationship that they have. And I, this, in this moment, the language I'm thinking in my head is very strong. Yeah. I feel like I just, Jesse gets into these situations where she's incredibly stressed and other people start telling her what to do. And I feel like them leaving is May's plan. And I don't think it's a good plan. It's definitely, you're right. It is May's plan. It's not her plan. May says, get the van, let's leave. And so Jesse, who has just got her baby back, and I don't think Jesse is the kind of person that, like, keeps her faculties well in stressful situations. Yeah. I think she panics kind of easily. Yeah. And so she just know. says, okay, she... let's, let's do it. Let's do the thing. She handled the ice cream shop really well. Yeah. But that was... That, that, feel, was that felt slower, different. Yeah, it was a it, slower. It was slower. Oh, sorry, I'm making noises with the microphone. Sorry. Right, it wasn't quite the panic situation that we're seeing here. Yeah. God, I really, really have a problem with her leaving Max yeah. behind. And he's an asset. For one, he has a gun. For two, he's trained to actually use it. Yeah. And. But what worries me is that if the bikers did not give chase... Suddenly, Max and Benno are walking into a situation where there are seven aggressive adults that would do them harm yes. if they found them. Yes. Because Benno's not going to be an asset. He's no. large. He's intimidating, but he's simple. He's not going to bust out some crazy kung fu moves and fight them all or right. anything like that. I mean, if anything, if the bikers didn't give chase, they probably would have done very awful things to Max and Benno. Probably killed them. Yes, I fully expect that... They would have killed them. You know, they would have ganged up on both of them and probably just shot them or something like that. I don't know. I kind of feel like with Benno, they probably would have played with their food first. Yeah. Which is disturbing. It's distressing going back to the fact that they just left, left behind. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, if they had taken the van and like driven out into the field. Go get them. Yeah. Like go get in the car. And all four of them were in the car. I mean, the car still would have broken down. Yeah. But I don't know. Just the whole situation, everyone is making all of these split second decisions and it's just turning and into they're all wrong. it's turning into a perfect storm yeah. of just bad results. Yes. For sure. So we see a couple of POV shots from inside the van as they are driving up the driveway towards the road. And May's farm has this kind of gate 
at the road. And May says, don't stop, just go right through. And when she says that, we kind of get a shot of the front seat with Jesse and May in there. And May is holding Sprague. And I'm not sure how much experience Sheila Florence has in acting while a toddler is in your lap. But she looks to be struggling with the fact that there is this child squirming around and getting in her way. Yeah, a little bit. And Sheila Florence is quite a small person. Yeah. And... Sprague is not a small baby. Right. Sprague is is fully a toddler. And toddlers are very awkward. Yeah. And yeah, they wriggle a lot. And he's probably screaming in her face. Yeah, probably. Because that car was probably jostling around a little bit and whatnot. Yeah. Keeping everybody off balance. But... Jesse takes May's advice and just smashes right through the gate Which that leads out to the road. I like, but you... So, we don't see the door break down until we see the car go through the gate. And a car smashing through a gate is one thing. Motorcycles cannot drive through things the same way that cars do. So I feel like if they had taken the time to stop, have Jesse hop out, open the gate get the car through, close the gate again, that would have been an obstacle that would have really slowed down the bikers. Because when they smash through the gate, that just makes an opening. It makes an easy point of egress for the motorcycles to follow. Yeah, it does. And I recognize that. Putting myself in Jesse's shoes, I don't think there's any way that I would have stopped and yeah. opened the gate. Like in the heat of the moment, Yes. it's hard to think that strategically, for sure. Yes. And it's really unfortunate that Jesse is, this isn't a very nice word, but saddled with two people who cannot help themselves. Right. Physically. I know May has been an asset, but she can very easily turn into a liability. Mm -hmm. I mean, we already movie magicked our way out of one instance of her being a liability. But the fact that Jesse would have had to get out herself. Yeah. Get back in the car, move it through the gate get out and close it instead of a second able-bodied person getting out, opening the gate, letting her drive through it, Mm. closing it. It certainly is very impractical, but the end result, I like the end result. Yeah. It would have slowed down the bikers. Right. I mean, let's see. We go from them driving through the gate back to the shed. The door flexes, the hinges come out of the brick, the whole thing falls down in splinters. And then, so that starts about second 27. We don't actually see them riding away, I think, for another 13 seconds? Yeah, we we get a couple of shots of them. Like, it takes them 13 seconds to get to the driveway. Yeah, getting to their bikes, getting on their bikes, getting them going, putting up the kickstand... I say there are some great As, shots of them rushing to their motorcycles, for yes, sure. I think it's Mudguts who just, like, leaps. Oh, it's not just Mudguts. It's Mudguts and Starbuck. Yes. They do, like, the rear saddle hop over Yes. to get on the bike. It kind of reminds me of, like, those, like, action-adventure movies where the, the cowboy jumps on the back of the horse that way. Yes, absolutely. Like... Under different circumstances and with different characterizations, this would be seen as uh, lighthearted and heroic even. Mm-hmm. You know, hopping onto the motorcycle in that way. But the fact that they are pursuing people that we like. <laughs> right. 
Sometimes we forget that they're the bad guys. Yeah, they've just got so much personality to them. Yeah. And the fact that there are seven of them and they all have distinct personalities, Mm -hmm. it's... It makes them a lot of fun to watch. It's excellent. But they are all despicable criminals and Mm -hmm. horrible people and they get what they deserve. (laughs) Now, did you notice, probably should have talked about this, I think, last minute or even the minute before maybe, that they had all like... Put away their bikes. Right. They were hiding the bikes in and around the shed. Yes. Which means at some point they had all ridden up and parked their bikes in that area without anybody noticing. Yes. Which Which is no small feat. Which takes a little bit of time. I mean, you prefer to back your bike in. And that takes a few minutes. Right. Because I don't think any of their motorcycles have rear gears. Right. You got to get a pretty big fancy bike. To get something like that. Yeah. Unless it is something that you can find on smaller motorcycles and I just never noticed it. But yeah, for the most part, if you want to back up a bike like most of them did, you pull ahead and then just walk it back. Yep. And that's that can be a cumbersome process. <laughs> Although their bikes are a lot lighter than your bike. Yes, that's very, very true. <laughs> but they, they got the bikes into some tight spaces. Oh, absolutely. So they took a lot of care. Mm-hmm. When they when they pulled in and tucked their bikes in, mm. which of course pays off for them now, which is what they had in mind. Yeah, so you definitely get the sense that Toe Cutter and his gang had a lot more advanced options for planning, mm-hmm. thinking in a frame of mind of okay, if we need to leave here in a hurry, how are we going to do it? Yes, let's all park in a specific way. And we saw earlier when they arrived in We Jerusalem that That's they like to back like, into spots. That's just their way. They're pretty much always parking in such a way as to leave quickly. Yes, which is very smart. And speaking of things that are quick, although this might be the opposite, Max and Benno, we get to see them again running across the big field, Mm -hmm. getting out of the woods finally. And, oh, they are just way too late to the party. Yeah. Like, again, it's sad. Like, from Max's point of view, he knows bad things are happening. Yeah. And he is running. Oh, for the, the house. The worst part is as you see him running through the field, you can hear the thundering of the motorcycles. Yes. Like all revving up and moving. So, yeah, Jesse's already long gone at this point. He makes it there just in time to see the bad people Pretty leaving. Much. Which yeah. is has to be awful for him. And the car's gone. Mm-hmm. So all of this He doesn't this have way... any transportation. Although, I mean, farms usually have like a farm truck, right? Typically. So, yeah. why didn't he get the truck? As far as we see, he runs uh-huh. the entire distance that the van travels. Now, I don't think the van travels very far. No, it seems to break down rather quickly. Really quick. Yeah, because we see the motorcycles leaving the driveway. We get a shot of the van driving down the road, and then almost instantly, yeah. it just starts bucking around because mm-hmm. something is going wrong. And so, in the dialogue, somebody says, now what? I think it's Jesse, but... It could be Jesse, it could be May. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard to tell, because it kind of sounds like both of them. But as the car starts bucking, we cut outside the car, and we can see there's just... There's water streaming out the front, there's smoke coming from underneath the hood. Something is just off about this, and... 
Let me replay the minute a little bit. Does it look like something is sticking out of the grill? Oh, I never noticed that before. You think it's been sabotaged? Either it's been sabotaged or driving through that gate embedded oh! something in the front oh, well, of the that, car. That makes much more sense. But Actually, sabotage makes a whole heck of a lot of sense. Yeah, but... The dialogue goes, Jesse yells the motor, May says, what are you trying to say? And Jesse says, I don't know, it just died on me. And it's like, well, I think I know what it is. It's probably the fan belt because uh-huh. that's exactly what Max was working on before he got pulled away Yeah, by the screaming. I, I like the idea of sabotage. Now, I don't think they necessarily needed to sabotage it, but I really like the idea of sabotage because it's a smart thing for the bikies to do. Yeah. Especially if they had the time to properly park their bikes mud guts climbed up on the wall they went and got sprog which was right next to the car yeah it would have been incredibly easy for them to just reach under the hood which was open yeah because max was actively working so jesse probably was the one who closed the hood Ah, gosh i don't remember um it would have been incredibly easy for them to sabotage the car yeah i'm looking back over this minute trying to find another shot of the front of the car. Before right. they drive through the gate, there's nothing, there's nothing. sticking out of I, the grill. It's part of the gate. That makes much more sense. Yeah. So it's another instance of May not necessarily being the most strategic thinker. <laughs> right. Like she's got it's, guts. She is a tough old Yes. Bug, for sure. And but, she certainly, in that moment, she certainly saved Jesse's life. It, that saving didn't yeah. last long. But Showing in, up with the shotgun, but definitely. But in that moment, she saved Jesse's life. Yeah. Certainly. Um, I gotta say, if she had kept her eyes open when she shot that shotgun and had killed Toe Cutter or killed ooh, Bubba, ooh. I'm not sure how the situation would have escalated if it would have <sighs> whipped the gang into a frenzy. They seem awfully loyal. Yeah, but I mean, that would have, like, she would have done quite a bit by doing that. Like, if she had successfully taken one of them out. Mm-hmm. Even if she had slowed down the scene <clears throat> long enough for Max to get back. Mm-hmm. Like if she knew that Max was coming back, because as we said, they were split up. Which yeah, is, you know, it's dumb too thing. bad that as soon as May knew that there was a problem, it's too bad she didn't have a way to signal Max. Like yeah. you know, shooting a gun would have done it, but that's also wasting ammo. Mm-hmm. So it's too bad there wasn't like a flare gun or something to signal Max. Start back now. We need you here. This is definitely one of those situations where. Old movies would be drastically oh. changed with the addition of cell phones. Yes, absolutely, of course. You know, people like to joke, oh, well, you know, a movie like Scream would have been incredibly different with the cell phone because you could see the caller ID. Right. Or, you know. Even if. I'm trying to think of other examples. Of, even if May had had the idea that after she shot the shotgun, realizing that that would bring Max back. To to drag out the situation mm. long enough for Max to make it back. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's no way that she would have known that he was on his way back. Like, at all. I think if she had thought about it, she would have assumed. Yeah. Well, it would have been a, a safe assumption. There's a huge difference between knowing and assuming, that's for sure. Yeah, but I think it would have been a safe assumption. I mean, it, it all goes back to the fact that Max going into the woods was an awful, awful decision. Yes, it does. And that a lot of what happens here is pretty much a direct result of him deciding to go all off and play hero in the woods. Yeah, I'm not 100% sold on Max's presence alone being able to control the situation. But things would have been different. Exactly. And I think... In a positive way, I think. 
Yeah. Hey, I, maybe I'm, in I'm the in end, everybody would have ended up dead anyways, but he shouldn't have gone into the woods. Yeah, exactly. He should have stayed. Exactly. Oh. So, his wife. interestingly enough, this little interaction between Jesse and May, where they're talking about the motor, is the linchpin for giving Mad Max a passing grade on the Bechdel-Wallace test. So you've probably heard of it before, but I'll go over it for people that haven't heard of it before. The, the Bechdel test, which is sometimes called the Mo Movie Measure or the Bechdel Rule, is a simple test which names the following three criteria that a movie must meet in order to pass. One, it has to have at least two women in it who talk to each other about something besides a man. It's Those named. three things. They have to be named, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they have to be named characters. They can't just be, you know, girl number two and waitress number three. I think Gum Chewer would count as a named character. I don't think the young woman in the Chevy No, because she's counts. credited as Lair's girl. Or I girl in Chevy or something, something like, that. like that. If she even gets a specific credit. We'll have to keep, take note of that when we get into right. the credits and whatnot. But here we have two named characters, May and Jesse. They have defined characters, and they are talking to each other about something that's not a man. So they're actually exchanging dialogue about the motor, which is just an object. All of the instances before where May was talking to Jesse... May was either talking about Benno or Jesse was so overcome with the situation that she could not respond. Right. You know what I mean? Which doesn't count. And so you need to be able to carry on a conversation between yeah, two back parties. and forth. This barely passes. Oh, yeah. The Bechdel-Wallace test is an incredibly low bar for a movie to get over. Mm -hmm. And yet it's surprising how many movies don't reach that bar. Right. Like, having two named women characters in a movie should not be difficult. Right. Having them talk right. to each other should not be difficult. And honestly, they should be able to not talk about men. You know, that that's an incredibly low bar. And I realize that I've already said that, but it just flabbergasts me when you have a piece of media that does not reach that criteria. Right. <laughs> A show that just soars over the bar that we have been enjoying is Prisoner. Um, okay, in Australia, it's just called Prisoner. In America, it's called Prisoner Cell Block H. And then isn't it in Canada, in Canada it's called Caged Women? It's called Caged Women. Uh, and it's the cast is 95% women. I'm pretty sure there's only like three or four male characters yeah. and the rest are all women. This is now the show... This is the show that Sheila Florence was on for yes. like 400 episodes. Like a ton of people in this movie have had, you know, bit parts in yes. this show. And the entire thing is on YouTube. So we've been watching it. Yes. But yeah, it passes with flying colors. They because almost the characters... never talk about men. Yeah. The idea of men is present, but it's fairly minor. Yeah. It's like tertiary. Yeah. But... We're actually going to talk more about Prisoner Cell Block H on Friday because, holy cow, <laughs> it's, it's good. Yeah. It's good. In the meantime, our website is madmaxminute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Mad Max Minute and like us on Facebook and join our listeners page, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. Thank you for joining us for Mad Max Minute number 73. We'll see you tomorrow. Motorbikes and leather men. 